Welcome to Conversations on Life, Work, and Love, hosted by coaches Bonnie Blackstone and Ramey Gibbs. Our focus is to give voices to Gen X women and help them achieve a well-lived life. Hello, Ramey. I was about to say good afternoon, but it's morning on my end. Um, Afternoon afternoon on your side, though. Okay. So (laughs) recording on a different day because we have two special guests and we're accommodating their schedules. Before we get into that, how's your weekend going? Any Easter celebration plans or anything coming up? No Easter celebration. We kind of talked about that a little bit and we'll probably dig into that a little bit more with our Mm -hmm. guests today. But Easter is not something that we celebrate. Um, you know, I did as a kid and went and looked for the Easter eggs and had the Easter baskets and all that fun stuff. But uh, the religious element has never really been part of my life. How about you? Yeah, yeah same thing. We're, um, well, we're celebrating in that we're going to um, nephew's birthday party tomorrow. Great nephew. I don't know what. Little boys. <laughs> Birthday on Some little side. kid, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna go to a birthday party, and I'm sure oh, we're, you know Easter Bunny will come tonight. But um, no, we really those those days. I remember those days. You know, we'd go to church and Easter dresses and Easter egg hunts, and but yeah, times have changed. So that's not really in our game plan for tomorrow. But it'll just be another. We'll, we'll make an extra special breakfast or something. That's about it. There you go. Yeah, brunch brunch was fun in Vegas on yeah. Easter. That that's what Easter mm-hmm. was about was brunch. But oh, brunch in <laughs> Vegas is always fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm really excited today about our guests, mostly because they're two of my most favorite people in the whole wide world. My daughters, Amy Wilson and Melissa Lopez, and the reason we've got them on today is because, you know, uh, our audience is um, Gen X women, and they are millennials, and we talk an awful lot about Gen X women, and we've done some, um, you know, rib-poking jokes um, about and at millennials, you know, so today we wanted to bring them on and get a bit more understanding of what it means to be a young woman um, in today's um, ever-changing world uh, and the you know, their thoughts on what it's like to be a millennial. And then we're going to have some fun with just um, some myth busting as well. Amy, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm Amy. I'm Bonnie's oldest. Uh, I live in Navarre, Florida with my husband and my two uh, stepdaughters and my son. My girls are 15 and 11. My son is four. Um, I'm from North Idaho, where Bonnie's from, and been in Florida, oh my gosh, five and a half years now. Yeah. And I work in banking. And other than that, I just, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa, how about you? Your turn. Hi. Um, I am Bonnie's youngest. I live in Vegas with my husband and my two daughters. They're five and seven. I, uh, I've been a stay-at-home mom with them for almost five years now, staying home. Um, I am actually in school now to get my teaching degree so that I can start teaching once my youngest goes uh, to kindergarten, and which happening in the next year. It's pretty exciting. I've been in Vegas for about 10 years now. Um, yeah. Just a mom too, I guess. Just, just a mom. Oh, I don't believe that at all. No, I we know. have so many more identities, Melissa. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You it's do. just hard when I don't know what to say about myself. We just have no idea how to talk about them. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Midway through this conversation, we're going to ask you again and see if you can come up with a little bit more depth on who you are. Underneath that label, yeah. Underneath that label, (laughs) those titles that have been um, bestowed upon you. Yeah. Hey, so welcome. Millennials in the house. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, um, Rami, you want to kick it off? Do you have a question? Well, sure. Why don't we just start with what we kind of started to talk about a little bit. Uh, Let's talk about religion a little bit. And that's always, you know, a, a touchy topic for a lot of people. 
Um, but uh, in the United States, we know that the country was built on Judeo-Christian morals or however we want to put it. And so the country is is run under that for the most part. Um, but in, I, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. I think I think the transition probably really started happening in the 60s a little bit where individuals started moving away from traditional Christianity. And it's it's continuing to grow and grow and grow. Um, yeah. So I've been hearing a lot about this. I've been reading about it. And I know my own experiences. I come from kind of I take the the best of lots of different religions and kind of make it my own practice. Um so let's talk about from your perspective, and Amy, we'll start with you, and then Melissa, just where what your religious beliefs are at this point, how you label them, um, and then why you're there, and what how it, how you um, put it into your life, how you live in your spirituality. Okay. So Amy, go ahead and open that up. Absolutely. Um, I liked what you said about taking a lot of different religions and kind of using it as your own practice, your own spirituality, because sorry, my dryer just went off. <laughs> I hope you guys can hear that. Um, uh, but like using that within your life, lots of just different, almost cherry picking the parts you like best. Right. Um, Cause I can almost relate to that. You know, we grew up more Christian based. We grew up Presbyterian, you know, mom taught Sunday school. We went to church I was in the Christmas plays at church as a kid, all of that kind of stuff. You know, we were pretty, a fairly religious family. And then that kind of, you know, as we got older, things changed in the household, that sort of fizzled out. And we were kind of left to kind of come up with our own thoughts on religion and God mm-hmm. and, and the world. Um, I think as I get older, I definitely stray further and further away from Christianity and the aspect of Christianity, because, you know, I, there's a lot of parts in it where I live my life that I just don't agree with. You know, my, um, a big one is I, my, my daughter is gay and the, the big, um, controversial issue of homosexuality within the church. It's just something that I can't get behind. can't get on board with. Um, so I think that my, the way I view religion, the way I live my life when it comes to religion is more on a spiritual level, more, not so much God, but the universe, the, you know, energy, the energies around us. Um, and just genuinely just being a kind, loving person. And that's the way I kind of teach my children. It's, we don't really talk about God and the story of Jesus and things like that in my house. We, we talk about, you know, the universe and energy and what you give, you get back and things like that. And just, just being a good human, being a good person, being kind, being loving, setting boundaries and all of that and and being okay and being allowed to be who you are um, without that threat of, you know, the typical, you're going to go to hell if you're a certain way, or if you do a certain thing or things like that. So that's kind of where mine has evolved. My thought of religion has evolved. Um, I still pray. I pray constantly. I couldn't tell you who I'm praying to, but I, I put it in the, up there like, oh, yeah. and sometimes I find myself, oh, please, God, just make this happen for me. Like, or please keep my family safe or please, God, don't let this happen. You know, this kind of stuff. I find myself doing that because I have that background in, Christ- in Christianity and in religion, but I don't necessarily buy into the Bible and the, you know, that, that strict, this is how you have to live your life or else, you know? So that's kind of where I've evolved, what I've evolved into as far as religion goes. It's a question for you on that as part of this. So in your mind at this point, mm-hmm. what happens when you die? Um, I'm a big believer of other lives. Like, I think we've all lived past lives and you like, I guess the, the idea of reincarnation or living a different life, or even just being, you know, being given up to the earth to allow future generations and future beings of this world to continue to grow and to continue to live. Um, I definitely believe in 
leaving a legacy. And I also believe in ghosts. So I, you might just haunt, I just might haunt people. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very, it's, it's super broad. I don't necessarily, um, I don't know about the heaven and hell thing, but, uh, very much, I I believe more. So in you just kind of reincarnate into another life, You, you get to live another life. You get to be on this universe over again. Cause why, why wouldn't you, you know, <laughs> what else sure. is all of this for? Yeah. And that's actually what you're saying is very similar to my own belief systems too. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you on most of that, but yeah, and it, absolutely. how did, how did you come to the idea that uh, reincarnation was probably what's going on? Was there a tripping point in your life that brought you to that? Um, I think a lot of just, I don't know if there was a tripping point in my life so much as there was just this feeling of, you know, this isn't the first time I've done this. This isn't the first time I've lived this. This isn't the first time I felt this way. You know, that, that aspect of I've lived this before I've done this before. I don't know how, I don't know when, but feeling that way really just kind of made me think, you know, I, I've lived other lives and I know that I have. And I will continue to live other lives and they'll get better and better as we go. Um, I did also, I guess this is more a funny part of it, but I did see a psychic one time that told me that um, I had lived many past lives. And this person that had been in my life at the time that I had been having a lot of like issues with or, or a lot of feelings towards that he had lived many lives with me <laughs> and, and that mm-hmm. every every life we find each other. And I had a psychic tell me that one time and I really like bought, I guess I bought into that idea of we live these different lives and we come back, you know, and get to try again or get to live a new life or continue, I guess, recycling our souls. Yeah. And, And there's a lot of, along with that thought process where obviously where she was coming from, but where we kind of travel life with the same people over and over mm-hmm. and over again, but they're different characters right. so that we can learn whatever we need to learn in the next yeah. life. Right. Yeah. And I, I've always just on that same thought, I've always thought it was really interesting. If you look at life, especially when you're going through something troubling that mm-hmm. you can look at it and say, okay, I chose this life because of what I needed to learn from it. Mm-hmm. So that sometimes makes life so much easier to just be like, I chose this for the lessons that I was going to learn. So absolutely. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Melissa, tell us your story. Um, kind of to piggyback off of Amy when uh our childhood was pretty and in, not ingrained in the church, but we went to church every Sunday. We prayed for every meal. And then as we got older, I I am really thankful that our parents, mom, you guys kind of let us choose. You know, it was you gave us the information, you put us in the environment to learn. And then once we got old enough to start kind of asking questions, kind of to start, you know, uh, seeking out different paths, it was never shut down. It was never, no, this is what you need to believe. This is where you need to go. This, you have to go to church or this and that. It was our own choices. And I think that shaped me a lot into, um, learning about a bunch of different kinds of beliefs, a bunch of different kinds of spiritualities, because in high school, I went super deep into Buddhism. I, you know, read almost every book I could get my hands on, watched every documentary I could. It was really important to me, that aspect, that way of life, just, you know, living the best life that you can, being, you know, the best person that you can be, being good to people being good to the earth, being good to animals was really important to me. And as I'm getting older now, it was, um, into like the universe, into spirituality, into the moon and living my life that way. And, um, yeah. (laughs) What would you call your spiritual practice now? I I don't, no, I wouldn't like to put a one label on it because I know that it's very important to people like the Wiccan culture or even Buddhism. That's people's culture. That's very like important to specific kinds of people. And I don't think I'm 
um, you know, knowledgeable enough in all of it to say that that's exactly how I see myself or exactly what I believe in. But I like dabble. I like to, I'm open to every kind of spirituality. And my best friend since I was 12, she's very religious, very Christian. Her whole family is. And she prays for me. And I feel that I, I'm so thankful for her because she, you know, she'll tell me, I know that, you know, you don't really believe how I believe, but I'm praying for your family. I think about you guys. Every time I'm at church, I always talk to God about you and your kids. And that means so much to me. I, so. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it is a personal choice. Yeah. As I said, we've had guests on our show who are, have talked about their Christianity and their feelings wrapped around it. And mm-hmm. in part, it's intentional that we choose our guests. We 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 certainly are not going to get into a, a battle with people who are too far out either direction. Mm-hmm. So yes, it is an yeah. intentional um, thought process when we bring our guests on, but we, we have um, had a couple who have talked about their Christianity and their faith and it really, at the end of the day, it is personal choice. It's respect, um, kindness, it's kindness. It is, you know, mm-hmm. it's the earth. It's uh, a prayer, whether you're giving it up to God, the universe. Um, we had a lady a couple weeks ago who uh, she was Hindu, her Hindu background she, from Hindi Bina. background. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she talked a lot about reincarnation and it was really, mm-hmm. really special. I'm curious, and as I said, when we were chit-chatting before our um, we started recording, we were talking about how, and Ramey brought it up too, how it started perhaps in the 60s, but we saw a lot of it in the 80s. You talked about your dad and I uh, going to church. Mm-hmm. To be honest, when we first started going to that church, it was out of peer pressure from our parents. I mean, hell, we got married from peer pressure. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow. I, I had a little baby bump in my belly. And, uh, it was a shotgun wedding. That's anyway. what they were going to name me, peer pressure. <laughs> peer pressure. <laughs> or shotgun. If you were a boy, you're okay, good. Uh, anyway, um, so we kind of started out that way with um, a bit like, well, I guess we better pick church. Uh, and then your grandma, Zelva, passed away, your dad's mom. And... <clears throat> The pastor that we, you know, a friend said, hey, we got this guy, Pastor Pat, he's super awesome, was just phenomenal. Uh, I remember, yeah. I remember Pastor yeah, Pat. Yeah, just loving. And <laughs> mm-hmm. we were, uh, she was such a big matriarch of the family, and it was a, a very tough grieving process. And um, he really walked us through that. So we started going to his Presbyterian church, and he was really cool in that he would, um, when he would discuss the Bible, he talked about it from a um, historical, for one, and then um, like a mythology also. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fascinating to hear. Wow, did people really live 200 years? Did they really turn to pillars of salt? I you know, like, who knows? Anyway, yeah. and then when he left and this this fire and brimstone guy came aboard, we're like, that's enough. <laughs> And then with, um, you know, changing circumstances in our home and things I was going through, your dad was going through, we really were questioning this whole, what's it all about? Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. the faith went right out the window as far as, you know, God has a plan, God will fix it, whatever. Um, and I, in particular, started to dabble more in the new age. And back then it was um, Louise Hay. It was... Um, well, Eckhart Tolle hadn't really come around yet, but but that whole um, the secret was just coming out, manifesting your own destiny, uh, basically destiny. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Anyway, um, so as we were talking, it kind of started then. But let's talk a little bit what it what drives you now um, towards that more more alternative, and I guess what I'm getting at. As young mothers raising children in this tumultuous, uh, ever changing Great word, yeah, <laughs> tumultuous. I, you know, just to spare <laughs> everyone my um, potty mouth. But anyway, um, 
how does drawing faith from your beliefs help you to cope? Or how does the ever-changing environment draw you into your particular faith, if that makes any sense? Um, it's hard because it is such a volatile world and such a volatile space right now. Even relying on my own beliefs and my own thoughts on the universe and religion and and manifestation and everything like that, it, it's it's hard to really pinpoint something like that because right now it feels like we're just trying to stay afloat and and, and raise good people and and also keep them alive and, and all of that you know in this insane volatile world that we're living in right now and. And I know those are really big words to use, but that's just the feeling that we, that I have right now, raising a child in all of this. And so turning to my own beliefs, I guess my biggest example is just, you know, knowing that as long as, you know, you know that manifestation and just keeping it in my head, as long as I'm keeping it in my head, that things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. Eventually they will, because eventually I'm going to make them get you know, I'm going to have that energy to do so. Melissa, what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's rough right now because I feel like personally I am in kind of a transition stage right now. I was really, um, deeply ingrained in like Wiccan and Wicca and stuff like that. And I was, um, you know, I had the candle business where I would make spell candles and ritual candles and, you know, I had a whole Instagram full of the types, the moon phases and, you know, trying to write about different, what the seasons and the solstices and what that can do for your life. And then I kind of lost that. I kind of fell off of my journey. So I've kind of been trying to pick myself back up. And I think I am falling off because of what's going on right now in the world. And everything feels like so much that that one part of me that I know made me feel a lot better that I know made me feel a lot more grounded. It's hard to get back into. It's hard to get that back. It's hard to reach for that. So um, even just, I do a daily ritual in the morning where I do, you know, my daily gratitude. I pull a tarot card. I cleanse myself with smoke and um, that right now, is I only do that so that I maintain my daily routine. So my whole day doesn't go to (laughs) the toilet, you know? (laughs) So even that, I don't feel as much of a connection, which I'm trying really hard to get back that connection. So it's just tough right now. Yeah. You talk about that connection, Melissa, like it is so hard right now to feel Mm -hmm. that. And it's, you used like we used to, we used to talk about it all the time. Remember we used Mm -hmm. to just always like, Oh, you know, we manifested this and we had, mm-hmm. we made moon water and we like, mm-hmm. we blessed our crystals and it, it just feels so good. And now it's like, okay, well, I don't have time. And you know, it doesn't matter because there's another, something else going on in the world. That's yeah. Or, or, you know, you have people that don't necessarily people in your life that don't necessarily believe or don't necessarily buy into it. And it kind of brings you down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, it's hard to rely on that stuff all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I think something that's really missing for all of us that go down more of a spiritual path versus a religious path is community. Um, you know, we don't have a, a church to go to. We don't have a building to go to. So our belief systems are within us, which is where they need to be. Mm-hmm. But when you're not, you don't have people to share it with we're really kind of um, segregating ourselves, right? And removing ourselves Mm -hmm. from from our own culture and our own world in a way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, you know, in a lot of ways, I think that's why religion is important. And it's why it was, in my opinion, uh, why it exists to begin with, because it was a a place of community and it Mm -hmm. was a place uh, of... um, ruling um it was yeah. a, it was a way to give structure and to to help people um do what the country would you know roman times when this all right. christianity really came about right it was a way to control the people um okay. but 
there are pieces of it that I think are important and it is that sense of community. So mm-hmm. if you're not getting it there in your spiritual belief systems, you need to find it somewhere else. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that um, we're not good at. We're not we're not taught to do that. We're not taught to build our community. We're not taught to find community outside of church, um, whatever it may be, whatever organization you want to join, whatever group you want to volunteer for, you have to find ways to do that. Um, Cause that's what we're missing. And you know, the, the pandemic destroyed a lot of us in that way because any community that we did have was obliterated um, and we can jump and go down rabbit holes with that. But in my opinion, it was intentional. But anyway, that's mm-hmm. a whole deep rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but well, anyway, makes sense. it's such a polarizing society as a whole. And, um, you know, without getting too political, you know, again, not out of respect. Um, but I don't think there's a single person who can say, yeah, my world was not rocked by the last three or four years. Absolutely. The, the changing times, the, you know, um, and I, I miss that community as we were just talking about. And for those of us who don't really have a foot in that door, it can feel like free falling. You're just yeah. out here by yourself, you know. Where's the tradition? Where's the community? Where's the um, sharing of casseroles? Where's the... Mm-hmm. The oh, I miss blind faith, which I don't think I've ever had, but I wish I did. <laughs> right, organized religion, church, you know, Christianity, stuff like that. It's got a set of rules. It's got mm-hmm. a guide. It's got guidelines. It's got. It oh, tells yeah. you exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it, who to do it with. You know, what the and consequences that, I guess that, are of not yeah, doing it. That's that sense mm-hmm. of community that uh, Remy was talking about. You know, when you are more of a spiritual person, when you are more of like, hey, I'm I'm in charge. I'm in charge of my spirituality. I'm in charge of my my destination in life. I'm in charge of mm-hmm. the changes that I'm going to make. I'm in charge of my destiny. You don't have that guideline. Yeah. You don't know. There's no one there to tell you how to live your life. There's no one there to tell you how to do it. And that's a big difference and a big lacking in when it comes to being religious versus just being more spiritual is, and it's so easy to lose yourself and so easy to become confused by any convoluted, like inner thoughts that you might have or things like that, because it is such a personal thing. There's no one to tell you how to do it. There's no book to read. I mean, there's a million books you can read, but it's not the book. They're all different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and that's, that's difficult. That's hard. Yeah. I consider myself a very spiritual person. I feel like, you know, it, I feel like a very religious person, but mm-hmm. I'm not interested in being governed by my belief system. I'm not interested in being my entire life and my entire family being governed by religion. You know, I, yeah. I believe in a higher power. I believe in something out there, but I don't mm-hmm. want it to be like my life has to be following these rules. And I do maintain that, like Remy was saying, religion was the original form of government. It, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's what it was. That's really what it, it was. was. It was, yeah. <laughs> and still is. And but still, still is. Piece of it for, it's yeah. still yeah. a it for sure. Yeah. In the United I States, mean, anyway, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to get into (laughs) a little bit more of what it's like to be a young woman raising children, um, you know, your thoughts, your fears. Um, (laughs) But before I do that, I want to take a little break. Yeah. So you okay. Yeah. (laughs) Before we do that, I want you to go back to your introductions and let's just take a minute and see what you've come up with in your head. Who are you? Uh, Melissa, you start since your face is right there in front of me. (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me. Usually I can talk about myself for hours, but something about seeing myself while I'm doing it, it's making me freeze. (laughs) Um, I don't like, yes, I am a mom, but there is way more to me than that. I honestly, I know that there's more to me than that, but I don't know what that is yet. I think, you know, I've been home by myself. My husband works an insane amount of hours. I, you know, 
somebody moved to Seattle. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, it's been tough. It's been tough to finally get back to me, finally figuring out who I am a part of raising my children. And I am at the point now where I'm realizing for their own benefit, I need to know who I am for their own, you know, raising them. I need to get back to me and get back to who I want to be and going to school, even just, I have one live class a week, just that being even online with people has been so much better for me because I can actually talk to people and see Mm -hmm. other adults. Um, So yeah, it's just, I'm getting there. I don't know yet. Ask me maybe in a few months, but I don't know yet. It's ever changing. And we will tell you that, you know, whether you're 30, 40, 50, 90, there will be an evolution of some sort in your life. You know, and a lot of times it takes um, losing something. So whatever you base your identity on today, which right now it sounds like it's your children, unfortunately, and we don't, we don't want you to lose your children. So let's not make it that, but I, I'm just going to say it from my perspective, what happened to me was I based my worth and who I was, was based on my career. And so when I walked away from my career in Las Vegas and had to figure out who I was outside of that, that's when I really had to go, okay, I now I have to figure this out. What's important to me? What do I like to do? Who am I without this career? And so I encourage you, Melissa, now to do that. And some of the ways to do that are to start trying things. Um, You know, think back to some things about when you were, I don't know how old you are now, but like when you were in middle school and high school, what were things that you liked to do? And those are the things you need to start doing again. You know, Mm -hmm. if it was riding your bike or it was um, one of the things I'm starting to do again is uh, doing clay because I loved playing in clay when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So those kind of things are the things that you need to start exploring and doing again to bring you back to who you really are. That makes sense. Yeah. What about you, Amy? Back to that scene. (laughs) Anything other than mom and banker. Banker. (laughs) Mm, well, there's wife, but they're all labels. They're all labels. Yeah, though, so they're still labels. Yep. So mom's my a- mom's my fourth child. Yes. <laughs> just yeah. one. Um. No, I I see. I recently, very recently. I mean, I I can get where Melissa's coming from because I was a stay at home mom for four years. It's isolating and it's hard. Yeah, and absolutely. It took me giving up that and getting a job and all of that to really kind of find part of who I was. And, um, I have found exactly what you said, going back to the things I used to love to do. I started lifting weights again. I started like bodybuilding again. I started, um, we started back up playing volleyball and this has only been in the last couple of months that I've really kind of found that athlete in myself again, because that was always a huge label for my, for me, you know, I grew up playing softball my whole life. I played collegiately. Um, I was always an athlete. And then from there, I went on to bodybuilding and big into working out and stuff. And athlete was always a huge part. So I finally got that back. So I can say I'm, I'm an athlete and I'm raising athletes, which is just the coolest thing to come full circle with. I absolutely love doing that. Um, but I get to share Show with us that. your guns. Show us your guns. Are you working on no. <laughs> I can't see. You got to go. Oh, look at that. All right. <laughs> Sun's out, guns out. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I got back into bodybuilding. I got back into, you know, my husband and I play volleyball every Wednesday night, which has brought us closer. So athlete has become, again, back coming full circle. Like I get to, and I get to share that passion and I get to share that label with my children who are now who are athletes um beyond athlete you know I I'm a friend I don't necessarily know if I'm particularly a good one all the time but I'm a I'm a friend (laughs) like I love my friends and um so I do my best with that and other than that yeah that's really where I'm at right now I have a I have a whole list of labels I want to be, you know, I want to be an artist. I want to be a yoga master. I want, I I have this visual, uh, this idea, 
you know, you ever think like I tell, um, I, I go to therapy and I tell my therapist a lot, like I can see this woman that I want to be. I can visually like see her. I know who she is. I know. And she knows who she is. I just can't get there. <laughs> I think just have it, keeping that in your head and keeping that in mind is just such a good way to find her. Mm. And so yeah. it absolutely is. That is, um, that's a big coaching tool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a big thing we will do is have someone visualize how yeah. they see themselves. Mm-hmm. I do. I want to say one thing, be careful of labels. So yeah. again, it's not just about those labels. Again, you need to kind of think, um, Bonnie, there's some things that you need to send them to do, okay. but, <laughs> and you'll know when I bring this up. So uh-huh. when we start talking about your core values, so these are things that will help you describe yourself beyond these labels, right? So if I were to start telling you about my myself, I would say, well, I'm a very curious person. Um, I'm a foodie. I love research, which is super weird because I love to explore and learn. And that's part of my curiosity, right? So these are the things that when you start talking about who you are, those are the things that matter. The labels yeah. don't. It's who yeah. you are underneath those labels. So you know what test I'm talking about? I think you need to send them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I will. I will. It's, it's fun. And you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get a lot out of it. Um, yeah, you will. If um, for no other reason, just to start thinking beyond those labels, as Ramey's saying, it's important to do. I mean, you're very, very complex women. Um, yeah. And, oh yeah. <laughs> and just as women, we get lost. We oh, just we totally get lost do. in those labels. And yeah. especially, yeah. you know, sitting at home, being a stay-at-home mom, um, that's it. That's that's your life. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. And But you're more than that. And mm-hmm. you need to be able to mm-hmm. bring that out in yourself. And more than anything, identify that within yourself. Right. So that you can then live the life as you want it to be, you know. But Because I, I, I see, uh, Melissa, I see on your face, actually, I see almost... Um, sorrow. And I think when we're talking about this, not being able to get beyond being mom right now. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so whatever we can do to help you get through that and past it and through it, because it's the only way it's through, right. Yeah. Um, let us do that. But so Bonnie, if we'll have her send you those tests and you can look at them oh, and you'll be yeah. like, okay, I am yeah. curious. And this is how I get more curiosity in my life. These are the things I can do to explore. So going to school is a huge, is huge because that's mm-hmm. a growth, right? And that's working on your, your mind. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Anyway, what else? What yeah. other big things we want to talk about? Well, <laughs> kind of going back to the conversation we had a few weeks ago about what it means to be a Gen X woman. Um, so let's, let's back up a little bit. Our mothers, mine and Ramey's, the, the boomers and the, um, <laughs> What did they call them before? The silent generation? Anyway. Oh, I don't even know. Um, so, okay. So we had the the women's lib movement. Huge before we came in to be young women. Um, finally, women letting go of that. I'm a housewife. I collect coupons. I raise my children. I pack my husband's lunch. I'm just a little lady. You know, women got fed up with that. Um, there was this fight for equality, equal pay, recognition. They were going back to school. They were burning their bras. Um, And then they passed the torch to us. So in our generation, you had, you still didn't have equality in the workplace. You didn't have equal pay. You had some more rights. We could vote. We could get abortions. We could do all sorts of things. We still were not equal. But because our mothers, grandmothers passed us these torches of, listen, lady, I fought hard. Uh, you're not going to be a nurse. You're going to be a doctor. You get out there and you, and guess what? You're still going to have all the kids. You're still going to take care of your husband, but I expect you to work too. It's that old, um, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan and never let you forget you're a man. I don't know if you were, you guys are way too young. Anyway. <laughs> too. I was yeah, trying to just remember what was that commercial for. And, and you know, at the end, at the end, yeah, at the end, she's in a bathtub, like, oh, her husband is letting her take a bath. She's yeah. like, so happy. Anyway, <laughs> so we were handed that torch, and the, but there was still that um, 
we weren't quite equal yet. We were still fighting for that. Well, we still really aren't. I was going to say, say, we've gone backwards and I was getting to that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We were expected to have it all. And there was a lot of pressure Mm-hmm. put upon us to to do that um it was yeah you're doing it for the generations you know the the glorious dynams the 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 women before you you were doing it for them carrying that torch and i you know and it was the the onslaught of the technology silicon valley um you're not to forget about our gen x men whatever um but <laughs> There's a lot of pressure, a lot of change. The world was changing. We we had cable TV, we had microwaves. Ah, um, we were also left to our own devices, being latchkey children. Or yeah. I didn't. Ramy was can I speak was, more yeah. to that totally. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I think that lends to our cynicism. Um, I don't think we were ever big voters. We kind of were just, oh, well, the phrase in the 80s was always whatever, whatever. And I, yeah, I think a lot true. of us still hold on to that, like whatever. Um, that being said, how would you describe what it's like to be a millennial woman? I mean, as a millennial, I think we've lived through unprecedented times or like world tragedies, we've lived through every single one of them. You know, we've lived through so many that we're tired. We're just, you know, when's the next one going to happen? It's, mm-hmm. it's hard that um, the future, to me personally, the future, I can't even picture it. Like I can't even, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what it looks like because every single time we turn around, something is happening something is you know first time in history first time this that you know mm-hmm. so it's almost it's terrifying honestly and i i don't know if it's obviously it is because you know we have social media we have all of we're so in touch with the world or we have um access to so much information way more information than we ever have in the past that um it's an onslaught. It's so much of it. So I, like I'm saying, I don't know if it's, um, either it's happening way more or are we just seeing it way more because you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Sorry. Well, it's in (laughs) our face. um, Yeah. It's in our face all the time now. So sometimes all I have to delete social media apps from my phone because I will be glued to it and I will be disaster after disaster, just scrolling, 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 and getting terrified. Do I need to start prepping? Do I need to pull my kids out of school? Do I need to, you know, and sometimes I'm like, just shut it off because my home, my little neighborhood is fine right now. (laughs) We're good here. And I, sometimes I just need to bring it back to myself and it's very important. It is important to be up to date on what's happening in the world. I know that, but sometimes it's just so scary that I have to shut it down because for my own mental health. (laughs) No. And it actually is a good thing. There's so many people out there, coaches and psychologists and all of us will tell you, turn it off, Mm -hmm. turn Mm -hmm. it off because it is very destructive to our minds. So, yeah. And it's hard because I want to go out there. I'm the type that I want to go fight. I want to go protest. I want to go scream at the top of my lungs, but also now as I'm getting older and my kids are getting older, like my peace and my, you know, calm household means way more to me than that. My mental health means more to me, yeah. but also like, you know, we got to get out there. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. It's so, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, really, it's, it's hard. a delicate balance between yeah. um, staying in form, being an activist and protecting your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I sometimes let it consume me. That's that's my problem. Oh, that I let it totally, consume me. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As that, as a millennial, I'm considered I'm considered an elder millennial. Mm-hmm. I learned that. I don't know really how I feel about it. But <laughs> <laughs> still a millennial. Um, but it's for me. It's it's a lot of pressure 
because like you said, mom, you know, you, you know, the, the women before you, you know, you're, you're supposed to stand up. You're supposed to lean in that, that whole lean in, be a woman, go, go be a doctor, not a nurse, that stuff. You know, you guys had that. Now we have the, we're very much in the middle of like, for in, let's just say abortion rights and, or protests, like Melissa said, you know, we're right there in the middle. You know, we, we have to, that, that pressure of, you know, respecting those Gen X women who raised us and who did that work for us to allow us to have a voice when it comes to this stuff and fighting for our daughters and our children, you know, behind us, you know, we are that generation that finally, I feel like finally had that voice. We're that first generation that finally had the ability to fight and to have that voice and to really be the ones who had the, not only like Melissa said, the onslaught of information that we have as millennials and grew up with. We're kind of the first generation to have that and to, to have access to that at the ages that we do in, and having that ability to fight. And it's a lot of pressure because Mm -hmm. you also want to have your peace. Like Melissa said, but at the same time, you don't want to let anyone down. You you want to yeah. fight for that because, you know, Melissa and I have daughters and it's not looking good right now for them. And we're the generation that's going to have that voice to be able to say, hey, screw this. Absolutely not. But at the same time, you know, it's terrifying. It's, a, it's, it's tough. It's hard and it's scary. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's so scary. <laughs> If that makes sense, but that's how I feel about being millennial. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired, <laughs> tired. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes a hundred percent sense, Amy. It's um, mm-hmm. and we feel it. Don't get us wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have the luxury of feeling it a bit from the distance. Mm-hmm. Of course, your daughters are my granddaughters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, Melissa's girls are uh, young women of color. You have one that's gay. Mm-hmm. You, um, and all of that aside, they're just women. And we're all women. We're all women just trying to figure this craziness out. Even though we may seem cynical as Gen X uh, generation as a whole. Um, first of all, can we just agree that we blame the boomers? I was going to say that. I was going to say, I don't think that my perspective of Gen X is kind of how I see myself rooting on Gen Z. Like, I think you guys are like, yes, you guys get it done. You guys use your Mm -hmm. voice, you know? And then I I feel that same way about Gen Z. Like they're tearing shit up right now. (laughs) Well, uh, yes, it's the Um, boomers. It's the boomers. They mess it all up. Um, I, I would say that, um, yes, but as a generation whose catchphrase was whatever, um, (laughs) I I don't know why this is, but we do get, we get annoyed just like the boomers probably got our, you know, you kids mm-hmm. and your rock music or get off my lawn. And we say that all the time, just joking. Just joking. Like, yeah. <laughs> just joking. And I'm sure I say you, that too. It's fine. Um, we see funny, <laughs> funny memes all the time with, um, you know, millennials versus uh, Gen Z or, you know, mm-hmm. Gen X. Um, but what, in your opinion, can we do to support you as the women coming up, raising the future generation of women? Because at the end of the day, we're all just women. Like I said, mm-hmm. just trying to figure this all out. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a thinker. <laughs> well, I would say it's probably because nobody asks the next generation. Yeah. What can yeah. I do? Mm-hmm. And, and and that generation um, never says, here's what I need from you. There's just right. this controversy and this... Um, Oh, I'm lost for a word. Maybe, Ramey, you can help me figure it out. Just this, you know, like, uh, it's it's the old get off my lawn thing. Mm-hmm. It's also, to, I think, what we need um, to remember as um, generations is to keep an open mind. Like, some things that worked for us or worked for your generation 
isn't necessarily going to work for our generation, for us, you know, um, or even the next generation. It's just, Mm -hmm. just because the rules quote unquote that, uh, worked for you guys necessarily might not work for us. And so it's just to always keep in mind that things are not linear, that everything is always changing. Um, Spiral. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And laws and um, things like that, that worked in the seventies and, you know, were part of society, societal norms that's not normal for us anymore. And we need to recognize that and we need to move forward, just move Uh forward and have an open mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think about it in raising children, you know, like it's vastly different now than Mm -hmm. it was. And I know I think about like, like, I don't mom, you're as a Gen X woman, you're very supportive in how we raise our kids. And all of that, but I've been told by other Gen X people, my, you know, my in-laws, for instance, or, mm-hmm. or even sometimes the way my husband thinks because of how he was raised, you know, you know, just spank them and, or just, this is how, you know, do it because I said so. And all of that, like that kind of stuff doesn't work anymore. Like that's not, that's not the way that we want to raise our children. So just understanding that there has been a, an, an evolution in that and hearing that and then maybe thinking, okay, like there's some needs that maybe other millennials may still have that because they experienced that sort of parenting in the past, you know, I think that's a big thing is kind of just understanding, you know, where we came from and then just supporting how we live our lives now. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling. But. No, no, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay, so let's do some rapid fire questions real quick. So one of the big things that Gen X looks at millennial, and this is a generalization, but is that millennials come across as entitled. And so I'd like to have you both just quickly address that. Um, yeah, for sure. I think we're very entitled. but I think it's because we're tired. I think it's because like, we want our voices heard. We want, um, I mean, I guess it's a person to person basis, but yeah, we can be entitled as a generation. Yeah. I think that the big difference also is the definition of entitled. I think that Gen X or generations before us probably didn't have the same opportunities to have a voice like we do. Mm -hmm. And so it may come across as entitled because now we are setting boundaries. We are saying, no, this isn't how I want to live my life. No, I will not conform to your religious beliefs. No, I will not conform to how you think things should be ran, how you think we should parent. You know, I think a lot of that, it it depends, again, depends on your definition of entitled. That may look like entitlement to you because you know, you were raised in the generation of, you know, like it or not, this is how things are going to be. Cause I said, so, you know, we are now a generation of, Hey, no, these are my boundaries. This is my voice. You will, you may not agree with me and that's okay, but I need you to hear it. I need you to hear me. And that may come across as entitlement to someone who doesn't, you know, wasn't raised with the same definition of entitlement. It's a good description, actually. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's do, let's talk about the Instagrammable moment. So, so many, so often we see millennials that it's all about the photo. Instead of living in the moment and in the present, it's all about setting mm-hmm. up this photo so that you can be perceived in a particular way on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that. Oh, I'm so guilty of that. I really am. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that for it's it's the um the need to be heard the what is the word i'm looking for the um validation, validation. yeah the validation factor of mm-hmm. it you, know, you you grow up and you you you're sometimes you're not heard or you need validation from your peers and now as millennials we have that 
that outlet, the outlet to be able to show the world, like, look how great I'm doing. Let's take a picture. Let's, mm-hmm. let's get this validation that we've needed, um, that we've all needed. Cause we all need validation. We all need to be heard. We all need to be seen. We all need to be loved and cared for. That's it. That's part of human nature. That's, that's the way humans are built. Um, so that Instagrammable moment, we now have that outlet to be able to gain that validation that we, that, that, few, that past generations never had the opportunity to do, you know, you guys didn't have Facebook, you didn't have Instagram, you didn't, you know, you weren't, you didn't have this public platform mm-hmm. to seek out the validation that you just so badly needed. And I think that that, um, it got out of control <laughs> because we all needed it. We all went for it. And I am, I will be the first one to admit that I still do from time to time, you know, when my life is at its lowest and the hardest thing, in the, you know, I'm going through the hardest thing in the world. I'm going to post the most beautiful picture of me and my husband and tell about how much I love him when really I just finished cussing him out, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because I don't, we don't want anybody to know the real us. Well, and that's it. But now here's the flip side of this. We're only showing the good stuff, right? So when you're, when you're in your darkest moments and all you're seeing is how great everybody else is doing, what Mm -hmm. is that doing for your mental? Yeah. I mean, what's going on? Yeah. Our reality is very skewed because of social media right now. It really is. And um, I love the creators that show the not so perfect moments. You know, it's they're hard to come by, but there are creators out there that do. Um, I'm definitely guilty of creating an Instagrammable moment for sure. You know, just... Oh, yeah you know, I like my aesthetic. I don't know. <laughs> I like amazing <laughs> yeah. things. The number but of times I mean, my children have rolled their eyes at me like, yeah. oh my God, like, why do we have to do this? Because, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've almost given up now. I don't post that much. Honestly, I haven't really. Yeah. Unless it's something snarky to post. <laughs> make people mad, but. I don't really post my kids anymore. Social media scares me, but, um, I scroll for sure. I am Mm -hmm. always on. There's that saying of, um, don't compare your hardest times to someone's just to someone's best on social media, you know, like, yeah, there you're, or it's, um, it's a lot on the, cause I, obviously I follow a lot of fitness pages and it's like, you know, don't keep scrolling and compare your day one to someone's day 100, you know, mm-hmm. you can't and, do that. And also their day 100 is at the perfect angle with the perfect lighting and the yeah. perfect filter. Yeah. And it's not even really what they look like, you know? Right. And that, that's a hard thing as women. I'm sure any generation of women, you see these women, these celebrities, these influencers on social media, on Instagram, and you're buying all of these products that they're, selling to you that they're shoving down your throat to be able to look like what they look like, but that's not even what they look like. You're never going to look like that because they don't look like that. And that's hard. That's Mm -hmm. a hard thing to come to terms with, you know? Yep. It's all fake. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, so detrimental. Um, Yeah. Ramey and I experienced this with the um, coaching influencers and the Mm -hmm. amount Mm -hmm. of, um, so-called coaching experts that reach out to us wanting to buy this program to make them make us millionaires. Um, You know, how do we know they're not just sitting in their underwear in their mother's basement? I mean, right. You don't know. What would it feel like to be completely vulnerable? Yeah. And it takes, this might be a cynical take, but it (laughs) takes a certain level of just maybe a sprinkle of narcissism to have that like gigantic following and like only posting your good times and only posting your highlight reel. That's what they call it. You're only posting your highlight reel. And then also trying to, you know, be a coach and help people because Mm -hmm. it's not always good and you have to show the bad sometimes. It can't Mm -hmm. always be perfect. Right. 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 Well, this All right, is so go ahead, Ramy. I got to do one more, and then we yeah, we're we can, doing one more, and then we're gonna tie so, a bow on it. 
Yeah. So and we'll combine it, which because you can address it as both, I think. So um, the the situation of a lot of millennials are choosing not to get their driver's license until they absolutely have to have one, or maybe they never do. And I think this is tied together. Also, not in a lot of them. I don't think it's applied to you guys, but maybe you can address it as a whole. Um, not leaving home for a really long time, you know, like for Bonnie and I, I mean, I went out and got my driver's license immediately when I turned 16. Um, and as soon as I could move out of the house, I was out of the house. So that doesn't seem to be driving your generation. And can you address that? Yeah, because we make no money and it's so expensive to live and, you know, $30,000 salary, you know, in our parents' generation could support a five, one income, five person household, and you could have nice cars and a brand new house, you know, now that's pennies. That's, mm-hmm. You can't it's live poverty. off of that anymore. Yeah. yeah. So it's tough to move out. It's tough to stand on your own two feet. And it, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely got my driver's license as soon as I could when I turned 15. I mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think I, I did the same thing, but like I said, I'm an elder millennial. Right. Um, I don't know if that, that so much ties to the millennial side of things as it does to like the Gen Z and the younger generations, because yeah, maybe. the way the world is right now, it really, it's hard. You know, I'm seeing more and mm-hmm. more like working in banking, you know, you have to have an ID and you have to have all of that to open an account, all that. So I'm seeing a lot more kids who are coming in at 17, 18 years old, still don't have a driver's license mm-hmm. and just cause they don't want to, or parents can't afford a car or, you know, kids still living at home while they're going to school. Like I fully intend for my kids to live at home if they can after school, because yeah, rent here is astronomical, you know, um, that could absolutely be a driving factor, but also the, um, the, you know, you know, back like in your generation, our generation, you know, you got done with high school, you went to college, you moved out, you went on your own. That's what you did. Now I don't think that's so much of a stigma anymore. I think living at home and staying with your parents and saving that money and building a nest egg and getting to a point where you, um, are able to actually go out on your own because let's face it, eight, an 18 year old kid is in no way capable of just going and doing, you know, they, they, and living in the world by themselves, especially right now. And I think that stigma has kind of gone away a little bit. So, you know, they're given that space a little bit more, you know, even being raised by, you know, Gen X parents or more elder millennials. Like, I mean, I'm old enough to have an 18 year old. So, um, it's that, that, that space is being given to them to be able to do that. Cause that stigma isn't quite there anymore to like, at a certain age, you need to be out, <laughs> you know? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Um, we really appreciate your insight and, uh, you know, I have the the benefit of knowing you both so well, but um, even that being said, I've learned so much more and I appreciate your open honesty. Um, and again, I'm just going to say we're just all women trying to figure this out. We're um, all sandwiched in some way with um, uh, taking care of our Elders respecting our mothers, how they were brought up. Um, I'd like to have us all hold in appreciation where we've all come from as uh, boomers, Gen X, millennials, pass it on to Gen Z. Just appreciation for where we've all come from, some respect, and try to pull together. Um, you know, the world is made better by the efforts of women. Um so let's let's continue that effort. Um, yeah, and as Ramey was saying, get to know what your core values are and just, you, you guys are amazing. Um, <laughs> you're uh, ra- raising amazing daughters. You know, they're my granddaughters, so I'm a little biased. But anyway, we appreciate you shedding some light on what it's like to, to be this generation. 
Yeah, let's just remember that. Um, also, get off my lawn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, I'm getting to that territory, too. We went to the park after school, and it was a new park, and I realized that it was, like, in the backyard of a middle school. And it was right after school, and it was just teenagers everywhere. And I was like, yeah, Yuck. we're going to wait a couple hours next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now I'm that age where I'm like, oh, teenagers. Uh, I'm living I'm living with one yeah yeah. she opens her mouth and I'm like oh my god what just came out of that Uh, I know I I don't I don't think that'll ever go away because teenagers are awful I don't care what yeah yeah what generation they're They're just terrible especially girls I was texting I was texting my best friend who I was a teenager with and I was like were we this annoying really were we this bad I don't think we were were. but we probably were <laughs> All right. Any parting thoughts, Ramy? No, thank you, ladies, for being on the show. It's always interesting to get a, a younger generation's perspective on what's going on, you know, and, and how it is to be a woman and be a mom and try to get through life because that's what we're all doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find a way to to thrive as well. It's, uh, it's so important for all of us. So thank you. All yeah, right. Thank you for giving us this space. This was really eye-opening for me, honestly. I feel like I I feel like now um we should do some therapy. I don't know. <laughs> or <laughs> like a good idea. Coaching. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Spread the word. Honestly, this yes. is what um coaching is all about. Just bringing a fresh perspective to your mindset. Um helping you see, you know, as we questioned you, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what coaching can do for you. Just um, broaden that and open doors for you. All right. I appreciate you both so much. Um, you're beautiful. Always. Thank you. Yeah. you All are. right, listeners. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Don't forget to follow and like our show because um, that's how we build our audience. Okay. All right, everyone. Until next week. Join us every Thursday for more conversations on life, work, and love. And when you're ready to find your own voice and your own path towards a well-lived life, we'd love to be your coaches. Reach out to us through our websites. You'll find me, Ramey, at renovatedrealities.com. And you'll find me, Bonnie, at bonnieblackstone.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to review, rate, and follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.